I'm just constantly amazed by you. I... You're working down here in the basement, sifting through files and transmissions that any other agent would just throw away in the garbage. Well, that's why I'm in the basement, Scully. You're in the basement because they're afraid of you, of your relentlessness, and because they know that they could drop you in the middle of the desert and tell you the truth is out there, and you'd ask them for a shovel. That's what you think of me? Well, maybe not a shovel. Maybe a backhoe. Well, that's good, because there's some garbage in San Diego I want you to help me dig through. Welcome to Condensed Truth, the Essential X-Files podcast. I'm your host, Shelby. And I'm Laura. And today we are talking Season 3, Episode 15 and 16, Piper Maru and Apocrypha. But of course, we're going to talk Piper Maru first. Uh, it's, it's named after Jillian's daughter that she had in Season 2. Piper Maru Klotz, I guess is her last name. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Anderson would have been better, but it's the I 90s. Agree. Yeah. <laughs> And it aired February 9th, 1996, and it was written by Frank Spotnitz and Chris Carter and directed by Rob Bowman. The next episode is also directed by Kim Manners, which I'm only mentioning because I, you know, it's postseason baseball. And so I was Mm -hmm. thinking how much they are like a one-two punch of X-Files directors, you know? Yeah. Like, I'm trying to think of two good aces that aren't Astra's like (laughs) Verlander and Cole. But like, that's kind of what they are, you know? One-two. Mm-hmm. Big, big hitters. So the plot of this episode is that Scully learns they are closing the case on her, uh, of her sister's murder. And Mulder, uh, meanwhile, has found more clues towards the mythology he wants them to look into. As they chase yet another boat, this time it's the French, that uh, were exposed to radiation at this uh, same spot. The Talipus, from, uh, the ship from Nisei. Uh, recovered something, which Mulder thinks is was a UFO. Scully has to look to her past to find some answers about what happened on the ship to expose uh, what happened on the ship that exposed the French soldiers to radiation, and to reflect on the loss of her sister, which she really hasn't had a chance to process. Mulder is on one of his wild goose chases, and he runs into an old foe. And yeah, that's how the episode goes. And we open on a bunch of Frenchmen on a yeah. boat in the Pacific. Just a bunch of Frenchmen. So many Frenchmen. I was wondering if they got these from uh, Quebec. You think these are just actors from Quebec? Yeah, maybe. I mean, yeah. <laughs> they're they're on this boat and they're putting one of their crew members in a diving suit. It's very big. <laughs> it's very intense. Like yeah. I know diving is, especially something as deep sea as this, right? Mm-hmm. Because of all of the pressure. But like it's. Definitely, like, claustrophobic. Yeah, like, this this suit, uh, I watched the uh, commentary for Apocrypha, and Chris Carter said it was, like, when you're in it underwater, it keeps you at uh, one atmosphere, mm-hmm. which is good. Right. But, like, it's it's just metal. You're just in metal, in water, and, like, under amazing amounts of pressure. It, it Freaky. Just, yeah, it's like, this is why I feel like we mostly have robots do this work now. Yes. Like- <laughs> yes. Just just one failure point, I feel like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we were not meant to go into deep sea. That's my personal opinion. 
I kind of agree. What's what's down there is down there, and it's not. It's no. We should not mess with it. Yeah. <laughs> no, we don't. I don't know what's down there. Bunch of cryptids we haven't heard of. Mm-hmm. The man in the diamond suit is named Gauthier, um, or Gauthier. 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 I just I kept thinking of <laughs> the, the somebody I used to know some. <laughs> <laughs> so Gauthier is in the show. <laughs> <laughs> And he's, you know, he's down in the water, and there is uh, a plane, a co- the like cockpit of a plane, all the way down there. And one of them is like, "We've been searching for months. I can't believe we finally found it." Has a pinup girl on it and drop dead red. We're really in World War Two right now. Oh yeah, it's it's the X Files' favorite subject, World War Two. Mm-hmm. And the the video feed cuts out, and so Gauthier is kind of down there by himself. And we just hear this banging, and he he does this flashlight over the cockpit. We see a man in the cockpit underwater, like with a little air pop pocket, banging on the window, and it's so freaky. It's terrifying. <laughs> it's terrifying. And then, and then when like Gautier looks at him more, the guy's eyes have this like oil over them, and it's the introduction of the black oil, which yeah. I kind of forgot was this episode. Yeah, <laughs> it me sneaks too. up on me. <laughs> So when I first watched these episodes, I hadn't seen much of the X-Files. We were in college, and I think you just really wanted to watch them, and you're like, the mythology doesn't really make sense. And I was like, yeah, okay, I was like, it doesn't matter. And like, this is, I think, one of the first episodes I watched with you, and whenever I sat down to rewatch it this time, A, I understood a lot more about what was going on, but then B, I was like, oh yeah, the fucking black goo again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like, for me, I saw Supernatural before I saw the X-Files, mm-hmm. and like, the demons in Supernatural have like, black eyes like mm. their eyes will like fade to black and like that's how you know they're evil mm-hmm. so i kept that kept yeah that just like kept yeah. making me think of that this entire episode <laughs> that makes sense and this is um this is like a digital effect but i think it looks pretty good yeah it really doesn't look bad yeah it's just like they imposed a I think like oil and water mm-hmm. and then they put the image on the eyes yeah and then it's night, and the diver resurfaces, and they had lost contact with him, and they didn't know what was going on. And he's just like, oh, I'm fine. Just get me out of this suit. But then we see he has the eye thing now. Mm-hmm. So he has the black oil now. It's very, woo! And then we have the credits. And Scully is uh, exiting the elevator, reading files, walking around the J. Edgar Hoover, Hoover building. and. Skinner calls her in, and he tells her that they're closing her sister's murder investigation because they haven't had any new leads in five months. And Jillian is phenomenal in this scene. Yeah. She's so good, but, like, it's so heartbreaking. It's so rough. Yeah. And she's very clearly upset, but she goes to leave, and so... We very much get the sense that, like, she had her piece. She was going to say that she didn't. But then she's like, no, wait, I, I do have time for this today. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and she says, you know, referencing the uh, Oklahoma City bombing, she says, mm-hmm. we can find got men halfway around the country with, like, very little evidence or, you know. But, but we can't even, you know, get enough interest into a woman being murdered in a well-lit apartment a weapon being left at the scene, and nobody mm-hmm. seems to even want to care. This aired in, this episode aired in '96, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so this is about like eight months after. Yeah, 
Yeah. And um, in Monsters of the Week, they mentioned that, uh, that like, it very much had an impact on Chris Carter. Understandably, I mean, mm-hmm. it had an impact on a lot of people. But I think for, like, someone like Kim who kind of... I, I don't know, like, not quite traveled in the same circles in the sense that, like, I don't really see the X-Files as, like, like, you can see the writers are very clearly, like, picking up stuff from that, but, like, it very much feels like they just read it in a book, yeah. and they were like, yeah, this is interesting. Mm-hmm. And so the 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 right-wing militia movement, because he was a militia guy, right? Yeah, he was a Branch Davidian. Okay. Um, then yeah, again. Timothy McVeigh was a Branch Davidian. Yeah, because I actually lived in the Oklahoma City area whenever this happened, and it actually happened on my cousin's birthday, and we were going to go to his birthday party that day that was, like, then canceled. He's, like, a couple years older than me. I was, like, three at the time. Mm -hmm. So, like, I don't really remember exactly when it happened, but I remember the immediate sort of aftermath. Like, yeah, just as even, like, a small toddler, like, that's still kind of, like... Yeah, totally. So, yeah, so... It's our first, it'll come back in too later, but it's our first little peek at, you know, mentioning vaguely the OKC bombing. Mm-hmm. And and Skinner's like, you know, like, I'm going to fight this. I'm going to look over the details myself. Like, it's not the end of the world. And and when she says her whole piece, and he's like, <laughs> he says, I don't think, I think it's a matter of resources, not of interest. Mm-hmm. And she says, if I may say so, sir, it has everything to do with interest. Just not yours and not mine. Go off, queen. Go off, man. I mean, she's absolutely right. Like, you know, I think the, like, excuse of, like, oh, there's not enough resources is, like, used so frequently and it's yeah. mostly bullshit. Like, Yeah, like, um, I think I saw, I can't remember, uh, the woman who, who was murdered recently with a manhunt. Oh, for Gabby her boyfriend. Pesito. Yeah, uh, I think I saw an article that said that while they were looking for him, they found like six other missing people, like their dead bodies. Yeah. So it's like, you know, if they if they wanted to like canvas and actually look for these people, they could. But like, yeah. most of the time, they this they're not just not interested. Right. And I think a lot of the conversation around that whole case was like, what about all of the like missing like indigenous and people of right. color and like. Which is, like, very rightfully true. Like, there isn't enough. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And you could very much feel that that, that palpable sense of, like, where's my justice, right? right. And, and, and that's very much how Scully feels. Like, these people got away with it. Like, the gun mm-hmm. was at the scene. You're saying we can't do anything about this, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. But she heads down to the office, the basement office, and Mulder's already waiting, and he's... He's a little. He's perched up at his little desk, which I love. Mm-hmm. His foot's on the desk, and he, she walks in, and he like puts his leg down. He's like, "What's up?" And he's like, "Oh, sorry, I was not just like lounging." <laughs> and um, this is also like just another note to her acting being like impeccable. Is that she's irritated, and Mulder's like, "What's wrong?" And she's like, "Nothing." And mm-hmm. I do like that Mulder doesn't push it, like. He obviously knows something wrong, right. but he's not going to, you know, make her talk when she doesn't want to talk. Uh, but <laughs> but he also just, like, plows straight forward and is like, I found some information. Yeah, he's like, okay, Scully's obviously upset about something. She doesn't want to talk about it. All right, let's talk about my stuff. So I found this. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I found some information I, okay. last night. And I love, she, like, Scully, like, Scully has this flinch. Mm-hmm. Like, 
she's like, I'm, I, I, I'm not in an emotional headspace to deal with this right she's now. She's so not in the mood. She really isn't. But like, <laughs> but I also just like love that flinch and also the the subsequent speech where you know Mulder says there was a ship. It's in San Diego. I feel like we've heard this before, except mm-hmm. it was in Maryland or whatever. And. And he tells her like, "This is where the talif is pulled. That you that UFO, but you said it was a Russian. Russian, uh, you said it was a Russian sub, but it's a UFO, Scully." Yeah, <laughs> and it's just kind of like the talif again. It's back, Mulder, Like it's back. Like, but it's kind of one of those things where it's just like, it's almost like kind of this like source of tension between them. So like he's like, you know, whenever he mentions the talif you can just like <laughs> sort of feel her like internal like yes eye roll like. Exactly. But there there was, I kind of forgot how much, I guess the very particular way I'm watching the show for the podcast, uh, I kind of forgot how much like continuity there is in this episode. Yeah. Like we're bringing in like all of the season three stuff, really. Like yeah. all of the mythology in season three really links up pretty well and very convincingly and like right. good writing. <laughs> yeah. No, it was actually like having like watched what we've watched for the podcast so far it was like oh i actually understand what's going on like a lot lot more and it is it is actually really interesting Mm -hmm. and i love this scene so much it it means so much to me it's so powerful because he's going off on his thing and and scully just kind of stops and kind of like laughed and he's like what (laughs) and she just says like you know I, i admire you i admire your conviction and your dedication and your relentlessness and <laughs> and she's like, you're you're in the basement looking at files other agents would just toss aside. And he says, you know, that's why I'm in the basement. And she's like, no, you're in the basement because they're afraid of you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and I love the her little um when she, when she says like it, they told you they put you in the desert, told you the truth was out there with a shovel, you'd start digging. And he's like, you really think that of me? She's like, well, maybe a backhoe. <laughs> <laughs> that's so good it's so cute it's so cute and it's I, like so half insulting but like kind of in a teasy way but also like kind of insulting him a little bit yeah yeah like ribbing him for like how kind of insane he is honestly mm-hmm. yeah and but he, he he takes it in stride and i think he he realizes there's a nugget of truth there but also he's like well also if you do think so highly of me in this exact moment Let's go dig through some trash in San Diego. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hands her the plane ticket, and she's like, Ugh. Yeah. So they're in San Diego, and they see the French sailors being treated for radiation exposure. They're severely burned. And the guy's like, oh, this is, like, really high levels of radiation. Like, this yeah. is man-made. Like, no one, this is not natural. But there, w- it was strange, because one sailor was completely unaffected by it. He was the one that steered the ship back to San Diego, and he checked out of the hospital after getting checked out because he's fine. How weird. It's Gautier. Oh, yeah. Also, it's Gautier. <laughs> of course. And I, <laughs> I love um, Mulder's like, how is that possible? And he's like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Doctor's like, how the fuck am I supposed to know? I'm kind of focused on the extreme radiation burns of all of these other sailors who are all going to die like there's yeah. no probably about it yeah like, yeah like just just trying to make them comfortable as they pass you know mm-hmm. and then we see Gautier and he's returning home because he has a house in San Francisco yeah this 
this cut like kind of surprised me. Like, I guess he had to have flown to San Francisco because that's yeah. only like an hour and a half flight, but it's like a seven hour drive. Mm-hmm. And he Diego, checked it out this morning. Yeah, and San Diego and San Francisco are like so far apart. So at first I was like, how the fuck did he get there that quick? And then I was like, oh, he probably just caught a flight. <laughs> Duh. Yeah. And I love the uh, the poorly shoved Eiffel Tower pic of him mm-hmm. and his wife. <laughs> <laughs> and at first I was like, why would a French friend have a picture in front of the Eiffel Tower? But then he has an American wife and I'm like, no, oh, that okay, that's sense. why. Yeah, 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 that's why. That's why they got the tourist trap pic. Mm-hmm. But they go to the boat, um, the the Piper Maru. That's what it's called. Yeah. Yeah. There were a lot of boat names in this episode. Just <laughs> boat, sub, plane. Yeah. Very World War II. <laughs> and um, there, it's cordoned off. And the Navy's investigated. And they're like, there's no radiation. We don't know what to tell you. We don't know where it came from. <laughs> and Scully's like trying to call Gautier, but he's not answering. And Mulder's like, call the French consulate or the INS. I was like, that's a throwback because yeah. the INS doesn't exist anymore. No. In, in less than 30 years, we have created another new bureaucracy to handle uh, immigration and stuff. I'm sure you've heard of it. So they go on the boat. And so Scully sees a map on the wall. It's like a dive map of some sort. And that she sees the word Zeus Faber written on it, our first clue, and another ship name. Like, I'm already not having enough trouble think, remembering the Talapis, Piper Maru. Now Zeus Faber. <laughs> we have this plane down there, and then we have Zeus Faber. Like, oh my God. And they find, and Mulder, of course, is like, I want to watch the VCR. I want to watch the dive. I want to see mm-hmm. what they found. And so he finds where the VCR is, and he, you know, plugs it in and lets it rip. And I do love the light. From the monitors, like, reflecting onto them, and it's, like, very soft light. It's very... Mm-hmm. I love that. It's so it's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. A nice color to it. And, of course, they're very hot, so it, it helps. That helps. Right. Gives them a nice glow. And so Scully can ID the plane just by the fuselage uh, alone, and she says that it's a North American P-51 Mustang. But after Scully IDs this World War II plane because her dad and her brother did models and she watched. And Mulder says, I just got very turned on right now. What is it with men and World War II planes? Like, what is it? They, they literally love World War II. I don't get it. They, like, are so obsessed with them. They absolutely love it. Yeah, this is, like, such a natural scene because, like, I believe that if you told... Like, a man that is Mulder's age, like, if you were able to identify mm-hmm. that on the spot, he would be like, holy shit. Yes, like, absolutely. What is it? <laughs> yes. No. That or cars. Yeah. I Yeah, I really don't know. I don't know why they're... So obsessed with them. I think it's because, um... I think it's... I think it's, uh... I think it's the U.S. at its height, at its zenith, I think. Honestly. Yeah. I don't even know if it's, like, a conscious thing. I don't think they're, like, so gung-ho that... You know, they think, like, I like World War II because of this. I think they like it because it's kind of, I don't know, it's big, it's grand, and it's so modern that we still can connect to it, you know? It's also, like, we won. Yeah, we won. <laughs> Quote, unquote, won. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, I guess we really did win. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah, not quote, unquote, we did, but yeah, I guess, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's definitely just something that I feel like doesn't make as much sense to, like, yeah. our generation and later. It's, it's boring. I don't want to learn with tank names. 
No. I don't want to learn about like engagements and things like that, things of that nature. Anyway, Mulder's a nerd bitch. Yep. And we're back to Gautier once again. Well, lots of quick cuts to him, which I kind of like. Mm -hmm. Um, trying to keep the thread of like this guy is doing some. There's something weird about this guy, and we're following him. Mm -hmm. But like, they never linger on it too much that it like gets boring. I guess mm -hmm. is maybe their aim. And he's looking for something. And he's like, you know, tearing up his filing cabinet with all the papers and his wife comes home and, and she's like oh my god I'm so like why didn't you call like I was so nervous and then he doesn't really respond to her and she gets spooked tries to flee it's honestly it's really great scene of like her being normal and then mm -hmm. the second she realizes she's in danger mm -hmm. it's very very horror film yeah it's very her, good her backing out of the room yeah it's very good it's it, it hits it feels real absolutely then we kind of don't see it, and then we see her leave with the oil. Mm -hmm. So he's passed it on to her somehow. All very unclear, honestly. Yeah, but I still don't really know exactly how the oil transfers from person to person, but it chooses who it wants to be in and then leaves. Yeah, I love. Um, yeah, I love when they explain it. I'm like, this makes it sound boring and worse. Honestly, yeah, <laughs> I just like the visuals, you like the just actual left it unexplained, the actual logic you're giving us is, woo boy, <laughs> that sure is something. Mm -hmm. And Scully's Scully visits Miramar Naval Air Station in San Diego. I don't know if it's real, a real place or not, but she's going to visit a family friend who she thinks might have some answers about the Zeus Faber or the plane or any of that because a lot of her dad's friends were in world war ii kind of like how we talked about nisei and 731 how they are Mulder and scully in some regards like nisei in the <laughs> are the second generation of this whole thing of like the world war ii thing mm -hmm. yeah and she's having flashbacks of when her and melissa lived here and it's very sad yeah and they have a shot of her like watching some kids play hopscotch no hopscotch yeah, well, like, I don't know if they're, the kids are playing hopscotch. The kids are just, like, playing. Oh, kind of oh, And then okay. it's, like, a flashback of her and Melissa playing hopscotch. Okay, okay. Which, is hopscotch fun? Is it fun? I don't know. Is I kind of like hopping around. I mean, I feel like it's kind of fun, but I don't know. I feel like you need, like, I feel like it could be more challenging. Like, change up the, the like, uh, designs. Yeah, but uh, I did play a similar game where it was, like, you draw a spiral on the ground uh -huh. with like segments and you like jump and you can't jump on someone else's. So you have to jump on a blank one or your own. And so you have to like mark them. Oh, fun. And um, so, <laughs> so then if there's like a long stretch where you haven't gotten any, you can like jump across the like Ooh. spiral. It's kind of wild. That sounds like fun. I never played that one. Yeah, that one was fun. But then we have Mulder and he's looking for Gautier. And he just barges in because the door's unlocked. Yeah. A <laughs> <The> worse cop. <laughs> and he's he's looking at the paperwork. He's trying to find a clue. But then he... It's funny because he, like, walks in and apparently he does not clear the apartment because Gautier's there and he doesn't notice until he makes a noise. I know. Like, he could like, have killed him. Mulder is so bad at his job sometimes. <laughs> he's just like, oh, here's the clue. Let's not check the rest of the apartment and make sure there's nobody else here. Let me just go in and find these paperwork I need. But luckily for him, I guess, Gautier is covered in oil on the ground. And he's talking to him. And he's like, I don't know where I got, how I got here. 
Last thing I remember is being on the ship and now I'm waking up in my apartment. Weird. Yeah. And as soon as Mulder starts to get like more concrete answers, Gautier clams up real quick because he's covering up some secrets. Honestly, smart. Smart. Like, and he's just like, oh, this FBI guy is starting to ask me questions. Like, I want to talk to, uh, I'm not, yeah, I'm going to the consulate. <laughs> yeah. And so Mulder's like, hey, what's the salvage company I found in your thing? And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't recognize that. <laughs> I need to talk to Dude, the consulate. consulate. Yep. <laughs> Smart man. But Scully has met up with a family friend, her dad's friend, uh, Johansson. And she asks him about the plane. And he's like, oh, you know, my memory isn't as good as it used to be. I don't know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And he keeps, like, sticking with that line. But we do get a scene where she mentions the French soldier's with radiation and he kind of like perks up and then like quickly is like no i don't know anything Mm -hmm. but he looks sinisterly out the window as she leaves and as she leaves like he says like oh you know give my best to your father and she's like he's passed she's like give my best to your son he's like okay i'll do that and then Mulder is running around san francisco and he finds he follows the address to the salvage company the guy wouldn't answer any questions about and the the secretary inside, like, locks everything up and, like, has him come in and has, like, a gun pointed at him under the table mm-hmm. so he can't see it. So she was just, like, ready to just, like, bust a gap in him. Yeah, I love how ready she is to shoot a federal agent. Like, She's gay. She's yeah. like, yeah, I know I'm doing illegal treason things, so yeah. we're going to have to kill this man if it goes south. Yep. <laughs> also, when she asks his name and he says Mulder, it cracks me up because... It's like to him, like his first name doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like Mr. Mulder feels weird. But like they'll ask him what he is and he's like Mulder. My name is Mulder. That's it. Just yeah. one name. Like Cher or one something. Name. Yep. <laughs> but Mulder waits outside because he knows something's up. And I kind of like the way like this this is shot because it kind of is panning, uh, like kind of mimicking how Mulder would be looking around. Mm-hmm. And at one point, it, like, goes too far and then kind of cuts back and kind of settles on this shot where, like, you we can see cars coming up. I think they're speaking French, so I assume this is the French. I think so, yeah. But then we see the secretary leave, and so Mulder's like, I'm following her. Mm-hmm. Because, of course he is. Right. But I love all the cars in the scene because they're such a throwback to me. Like, because they're all from, like, the 90s, like, mid-90s. And I'm just like, this is just, like... My childhood, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Just seeing the, the Ford Explorer. <laughs> yeah, they feel very heavy in a way that cars don't feel now anymore, right? Like, yeah. Or, like, they're, it feels like they're trying to be fashionable, but they haven't quite figured out the tech. Yeah. So, like, they, they're kind of streamlined, but not so streamlined, like, now. Like, because yeah. now we have those, like, headlights that curve so much. Yeah. And I, I could never imagine that back then. They're just square. Right. It's, like, not as square as cars in the 70s, but mm-hmm. not as like rounded as cars are now yeah and there's like lots of i feel like there's also a lot of like trim yeah you know like like the trim that kind of runs around the entire ch- like chassis i just love that if you see a maroon car from the 90s you know the interior is going to be maroon carpet yes like, yes so good. <laughs> a vibe and scully's leaving the base but a guard stops her and, and he's like you're being detained she's like why <laughs> <laughs> like stop detaining her leave her alone she's mourning mm-hmm. she's having a rough go she really is 
she seems so reserved in like a very morning way. And she, I mean, I cannot stress how talented she is in this episode. But the family friend drives up and waves off the guard and gets in the car with her because he wants to talk. He, he's thought it over and he's like, actually, I do have something to say. And he tells her, first of all, he tells her that like his son died in a training accident during the Gulf War, which I feel like really sets up his character scene. And like, mm-hmm. because because like to him. I don't know, like it's <laughs> maybe it just piles up, but like I feel like to him, it's like. You know, he goes, this is, he details this traumatic thing he goes through where, like, the military covered up what happened to him and never gave him any answers. And then his son dies. And I Mm -hmm. think it just kind of compiled. And he's just like, this government isn't serving me. Yeah. I don't know who the hell they're serving, but they're certainly not serving me, a person who gave my life to this country, or my son, who was trying to give him, which gave his life to his country too, but over a training accident. Right. And so it very much feels like, yeah, this is why he's filling the beans is because, like, he sees, I don't know, he sees Scully's earnestness, maybe, or something about her, really. Or maybe he just feels like he needs to tell somebody, you know? I don't know mm-hmm. if it's something in Scully or if it's something within himself that, like, compels him to tell her, but he does. But he says that we bury our dead alive, which comes back around. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you have any thoughts on this? I thought, I think it's fine. I don't um- know. Yeah, I think it's definitely, like, one way to look at it. This is definitely, I think, too, like, um, someone who is, like, still very raw in their grief. But, like, yeah, I mean, I don't know. The idea of, like, conscience is interesting. Like, I don't necessarily believe that, like, people, like, have necessarily, like, people have a conscience. But, like, I don't know. I feel like it's something more innate than it is necessarily, like, our dead trying to speak to us. but mm-hmm. also. I do think that there are a lot of different ways in which we carry our grief and carry the dead with us. So I think the the thought of like burying our dead alive is kind of like terrifying in one sense, but also kind mm-hmm. of comforting in one sense because it means that like, okay, we do still have a connection to them and they're never truly gone. So I feel like it mm-hmm. works in this sense, but it's not, you know, it's still very like. It's very flowery. Yeah, it's very flowery. It's also just like, like, like yeah and no (laughs) but that's okay i think it works for the episode but i think it's just like this grand idea or gesture i'm like okay i'm not really sold on it but it is nice yeah i feel the same way about it as in like during um beyond the sea whenever scully's dad dies and it's just like oh like your dad was proud of you it's like yeah that is comforting to people who have a good relationship with their father um or with their parents but not for everyone it's it's but it works for this. Like, yeah, I feel very similar about it. Like, it works for this, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he says the dead talk to us. They haunt us. And then he finally tells Scully that, like, actually, yeah, he does know what the Zeus paper is because he was on it. And he was sent to get that ship or that plane at the bottom of the ocean. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, wow. <laughs> Honestly, how convenient for Scully that her father knew the guy, <laughs> one of the seven people alive on Zeus' favor. <laughs> yeah. They are having very different experiences right now, that's for They sure. really are. He's just, he's flying to Hong Kong. He's like, all right, I'm going to do it. And she's like. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I'm at the airport. 
He, uh, yeah, he follows the salvage secretary to, to an air to the airport. Which, first of all, wow, what a throwback! This pre nine eleven airport. I know that's another thing. Why I guess I was like, wait, how did this dude get to San Francisco from San Diego so fast? But it's like, oh yeah, you used to you be able just to just walk, walk up to the into damn an airport and like walk up to the ticketing counter and buy a ticket right there. Like what? Yeah, you didn't have to like buy it in advance and go through security. Yeah, and, like, and, take off your shoes and all that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Sometimes it's, like, pre-9-11 airports are just, like, so buck wild. Yeah, I don't know if I ever flew before 9-11, honestly. I did, but I was a I was a toddler. Yeah. So, like, I don't <laughs> super remember. Yeah. So Mulder's following her, and Scully calls to tell him about the Zeus Faber, uh, what she's found out. Mm-hmm. And Mulder's like, okay, that's great. I'm going to Hong Kong. <laughs> Scully's, Hong Kong? <laughs> yeah, she's like, why? She's like, what? He's like, gotta go. I left you alone for like half a day. <laughs> and you're getting a flight to Hong Kong? <laughs> Incredible. Which is like a long ass flight. God, yeah, it's probably like, for, well, from San Francisco, it's gotta be at least more than 12. And interest, and Gautier's wife, the black oil, is following Mulder. Almost 15 hours. F- I don't. I can never be in. A, I can't leave this country because I can never be in a plane longer Non-stop. than five hours. I okay. Like uh, having been like in a plane for about fourteen hours because that's about how long it was. Like whenever you went to Amsterdam to Houston, like God, it's awful. It sucks. <laughs> it's too long. Yeah, like it's already messing up. Like being up in the air already messes with my body. I can't have it like mess with my body for hours. You know. Yeah. For, like, a whole day almost. Yeah. So I'm stuck here. I can't leave. (laughs) I can only drive. (laughs) (laughs) Very Texan. (laughs) And then we have a scene. We're just jumping. But then, like, you think we're going to go back to Scully. But no, we're going to Skinner this time. (laughs) Yep. And he's eating at a cafe, and it's very cute. Yeah, I like Skinner. I like his little cafe routine. He's a regular there. Yeah, I, I I love his little, you know. He's nice to the wait staff. That's always a plus. Mm-hmm. That's a good thing to look for in a man. Or I guess any partner. Yeah. Good, nice to the wait staff. Knows the blue plate special. Mm-hmm. And so some guys come in to in- intimidate him. But you cannot easily intimidate Skinner. Mm-mm. And so <laughs> they're like, you know, they're being vague. And they're like, we worked for the intelligence community. So syndicate, you know. And he said, remind me to never move there. And it's like, <laughs> oh, King, yeah. He's so funny. He's got jokes. He's got so jokes. So good. But they tell him, like, you know, you know, if cases get closed, it's the people above you have decided that they need to be closed. Mm-hmm. So maybe you shouldn't question those decisions and you should just listen to what we've done. And he's like, uh, okay, I don't really care. <laughs> yeah, he's kind of just like, mm, fuck you all. Whatever. Bye. He, like gets threatened by these people and it's just like no i'm gonna just keep doing what i'm doing mm-hmm. <laughs> incredible what a man yeah but they do tell him like stop looking into melissa scully's murder and he's mm-hmm. like no and this is where you learn more about the zeus faber and we get a flashback we get a black and white flashback that's kind of fun yeah I'm also kind of like, does the flashback need to be black and white though <laughs> <laughs> like it's a good flashback but also i feel like we know it's a flashback. Yeah. Yeah. And it's from World War II, but it's like, this is definitely like 
They're like, oh, it happened in World War II, so everything has to be in black and white. Yeah, they 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 gotta get Era all stylish. TV and media, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're like, it's the fifties. They didn't have color. Everything was in black and white. Yeah, <laughs> like um, like when they look at those, uh, I think it's the Roman paintings with the marble, mm-hmm. and they they do all those like scientific things to find out that are actually like were colored. Yeah. But, like, the color had faded. Yeah. So we have this idea that, like, it's all marble. And it's like, no, it was just, like, yeah. gaudy colors. <laughs> There's, like, some interesting video- videos on YouTube that you can find of, like, old film from, like, the early 20th century um, that have been, like, colorized with AI. So, like. There's some, like, really interesting stuff there. Like, mm-hmm. oh, now there's some, like, colorization to these things. Because, like, it's, like, yes, like, black and white was our only way to capture those images. But, like, the world was not black and white. <laughs> yeah. So this flashback is just kind of funny. That's just, like, kind of, like, very 90s and cheesy to me is, like. Yeah. Yeah. It's World War Two has to be in black <laughs> and white. I get that. And, yeah, so we're learning about the Zeus favor. And we have the incident. And they. They went silent. They're in a submarine. It was a submarine. And they went silent because there was a Japanese destroyer above them. And so they didn't want to be detected. But then something weird started happening to the crew. And some of them got burns. And people they were trying to tell the captain, like, we have to leave. Like, of course, we're worried about the destroyer. But something here is killing us. Like, we have to leave. And he's like, no, I'm not. <laughs> no. Mm-hmm. I'm the ultimate control here. But then one of them, one of the wounded soldiers shoots a gun trying to make the captain turn around, which broke the silence and really put them in danger. Mm-hmm. And Johansson, the man Scully's talking to, was the XO, which is like second in command. I know this because I watch Battle Car- Battlestar Galactica. Hey. Hey. He's a better XO than Saul. Even though I do love Saul, I will defend him with my life because he's so annoying. He's like... He's the perfect hero that is, like, insufferable and a joy to watch, you know? (laughs) Not quite Mulder level, though. Like, he's more, I don't know, comedic, I think. Mm -hmm. But he locks the captain in with the sick. Mutiny Mutiny. He did mutiny. He did a little mutiny and drove them back to, I don't know, piloted them back. (laughs) I don't think he drive a sub. Piloted the sub back. Submarines are terrifying, honestly. Like it's no, they're so narrow. And I've like toured a submarine because, like, that's just I don't know something that I think I have too. It's weird. Like, how do you describe the way that Americans take family vacations (laughs) to like like old like U.S. military and like naval ships and submarines, and you get to like tour the submarine and like. It's not not fun, but also, like, is it fun? I don't know. It's just, like, kind of weird to me thinking of it as an adult. But as a mm-hmm. kid, it was like, oh, we're experiencing history. And, like, it is kind of, like, interesting to see some of that. But it's also like, oh, that's a little weird. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a weird normalization. Yeah. But also, like. Yeah, it's a weird normalization. It's not the worst thing we've ever done. Right, yeah. <laughs> I, would yeah. Put it, I would definitely put it lower than, like, uh, flying planes. Like fighter jets over the NFL stadiums, right. obviously. Yeah. So weird. But but yeah, you are right. I I think we did a tour of uh, was it the USS San Jacinto, uh, off the coast, the Gulf Coast. They have an old battleship, 
yeah. and you can tour it and like you don't realize how cramped it is until you're in there oh and you're God. like everything is so narrow like the staircase is like almost straight down i am a small person i am a small person and like i could not i could not do it like no. especially a submarine like holy shit yeah, everything. Like yeah, everything is just it's everything is metal. Everything is cramped. Uh, any 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 it's it's <laughs> there's like no wiggle room for error on. Yeah, a sub. any space that exists is being used for some purpose. Yeah, like there is no like this is where we sit and chill. <laughs> nope. And so we then see the captain was uh, being controlled by the black oil because when he turns around, he has the eye thing. Mm-hmm. But Johansson pilots the sub back to Pearl Harbor, and he says only seven out of the 144 men survived. And he does have a bit, he says, like, you know, for some reason, I was allowed to grow old and raise a family. And so many of the pen- men there died, and I was never given an answer of, like, what happened. Yeah. And it's very haunting. It's, it's, I think it's, it's really interesting to pair this with Scully as someone who is also trying to make sense of loss mm-hmm. in this episode. And then you have her with this guy who like went through something so traumatic mm-hmm. and then is left being like, I don't know what happened. I don't know why I'm still alive, but I am. And yeah. It's so sad. Yeah. It's like, you know, Scully, who is very much angry right now because she's not getting the answers and this person talking and having this deep conversation with this person who's kind of just like, you may never get them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, that's hard to accept. And then we have Mulder in Hong Kong. He's having a blast. He confronts Geraldine, the well, secretary. Who I have a bone to pick with how the way she eats dumplings. I'm just oh, saying, okay. why do white people stab stab their stab dumplings with chopsticks? To just get a better grip. No, just pick them up with them. Just <laughs> they'll slide right off. <laughs> not if you grab it correctly. I don't know. I can't grab it correctly. I don't know how to dance. <laughs> it's practice. I get it. It's practice. But like, just the way she stabbed them, I was like, oh. <laughs> That beef, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's like me. I I use uh, I'll get dairy and I'll use chopsticks and I'll have the rice on there and I go to put it in my mouth just plop, plops right off. Yeah, it, I mean it, they they take practice, but I get, <laughs> and I get that and like not everyone has it. It's just like the way she just like aggressively stabbed that dumpling. <laughs> I was like ah. But we but Mulder has put together that Geraldine is actually Jerry. The guy in charge of the mm-hmm. savage yard. She just, you know, rightly pretends to be a secretary, I guess. Yeah. I mean, that's totally fair. On Another her. way to navigate, like, a space. Yeah. <laughs> but Mulder, yeah, Mulder's the worst cop. He just leaves his jurisdiction and he's just like, I'm going to Hong Kong and I'm going to arrest this woman. He's, like, trying to arrest her in Hong Kong and it's like, dude, you have no jurisdiction here. <laughs> and she's like, you don't have a gun. They took it from you. And he's like, I have handcuffs. Let's go. <laughs> he handcuffs He handcuffs that himself That chaotic too. boy. He's such a mess. I love him. He's such a mess. Yeah, he just handcuffs her to him. Like- yeah, and then he just storms off and everyone in the building is like, what the fuck? What, yeah. the- <laughs> what are these Americans doing? I don't want to be involved in this. Exactly. Who can blame them? So he takes her to her office in Hong Kong. And when they walk in, lo and behold, who is there except Rat Boy? Of course. He has emerged from whatever rock he was under. <laughs> I still haven't thought of a fun Rat Boy music. Yeah, he just like comes in, causes chaos. Yeah. Fucking leaves. That's, that's his whole row. His whole MO. And he has so many lives. And yeah. also, uh, you notice Nicholas Lee's name isn't in the opening credits. Because they wanted it to be a surprise. So his name's at the end. Mm-hmm. 
And <laughs> I love they they honestly Mulder and Krychek have great chemistry. I mean, they do. I don't know how David Duchovny has chemistry with like almost everybody on the set. <laughs> it is weird. <laughs> but he is like you know, he says to Krychek, I th- I thought guns were outlawed in Hong Kong. And he <laughs> Check says, Yeah, well, you know what they say when guns are outlawed. <laughs> Only outlaws have guns. <laughs> <laughs> Wild West. <laughs> and Crycheck is, you know, he doesn't, he's, Geraldine does nothing to him, so he pushes her out into the hallway, but they're still handcuffed, so it's just Mulder is on one side of the door, she's on the other. And. <laughs> And Mulder's just like, you've been you've been telling her the secrets. I know you have the tape from Anasazi. Um, so why don't you just give it to me? Of course, buddy, buddy, old friend. Also, I think mm-hmm. he mentions that he killed his father, which he does all the time. Yeah, he always he has to get that in. He loves to yell it. It's like Inigo Montoya, but yes, but Fox Mulder. Yes. Crycheck, you killed my father. Prepare to die. Exactly. <laughs> And but then we hear Geraldine get shot, and then Mulder mm-hmm. has to fall because Ugh. her body falls. And that so, seems grim. It is. And Mulder's trying to find the keys to the handcuffs so he can get himself out of this mess he himself created for him. <laughs> Amazing. That boy's talent. <laughs> but she's shot by the French, I assume. I'm pretty sure. I think it is French, like, secret agents. Yeah. They don't, they don't have them say, like, wee, wee, wee. Oh, <laughs> But they do kind of have a French accent. Yeah. And we know that they are, like, chasing after her. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. And Mulder, uh, and Krychek bolts out the door. And Mulder has to get out of this jam. And we have a commercial break. So we come back from the commercial. And Mulder gets the handcuff key just in time to jump out the window and follow Krychek out. <laughs> and so he doesn't get killed by the French this time. This time. Not yet. <laughs> and, um... So then the French are like, oh, fuck. And they go to leave. But then um, Gauthier's wife slash the black oil finds them and does this, like, thing of light, like, huge light that kills them. I guess it's the radiation. Yeah. It must be the way they do the radiation. I think it's how they do the radiation. It's just, like, a blinding flash of light. And it's, like, radiation burns. Yeah. Pretty much. Okay. I mean, it, it works. Yeah. Uh, technically, yeah. It's just kind of weird. <laughs> it is weird. It's a very weird way to give someone radiation burns. But yeah. I guess they didn't have a, a budget to do like a, I don't know, like a a stick of plutonium or something goofy <laughs> like that, you know? <laughs> she just holds out a stick of plutonium like a crucifix. <laughs> yeah. like And it's like, looks like a glow stick. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then we have Skinner back at the cafe. He He got threatened. Did not change his behavior at all. He's like, I will still go to this cafe all the time. It's his lunch spot. Yeah, he's like, no, they will not deter me. Won't back down. If you want to kill me, come kill me then, bitch. Yeah. And so what did they do? They do try to kill kill him. him. Yeah. (laughs) And a man walks in and he starts yelling at the waitress about the payphone. Awful. And Skinner sees this and he's like, is this guy bothering you? And so he goes up to say, like, is there a problem? You know, throwing his weight around, you know, de-escalating as mm-hmm. it may, may be. And the guy's like, yeah, there's a problem. And then he shoots Skinner in the stomach. Bad Rough. place to be shot. Yeah. He looks like he's in agony. And Scully arrives home. And then she gets a call about Skinner being in the hospital. So she's zooming off once again. Mm-hmm. But then we have Mulder 
and Rat Boy. Heading back to DC. And <laughs> Mulder catches up to Crycheck in the airport, where once again in the airport, a pre 9 11 airport, where there are a, bu- a bank of payphones, mm-hmm. and Mulder has gotten a gun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and he attacks Crycheck in front of the payphones with a gun in with, an airport. In an airport, and nobody else is. Nobody's like, "What the hell?" And he says, "You killed my father," and and he prepares pu- to die. Yeah, exactly. He he punches him, and then he says, "He punches." That's from your partner, meaning Geraldine. Which I don't know why you need to get vengeance for her, but whatever. Yeah. And then he says, and this one's for me, and he headbutts him. And then he says, and this is for my father, and points the gun in his stomach. <laughs> Just, like, causing a whole scene. Yeah. And like, that would definitely, like, I don't know, alert airport security, I feel, even pre-9-11. Yes, yes. And Mulder, you know, says, you have the digital tape from Anasazi, which I mentioned, and you've been selling the contents to make money and to get probably a little bit of revenge against Cigarette Smoking Man, honestly. Mm-hmm. and he's like and you killed my father and he's like I didn't kill your father and he's like oh is that what ha- that's oh you're gonna tell me that now mm-hmm. he's like he's like oh sure we mm-hmm. we all know you killed his father <laughs> yeah everyone knows Crychek <laughs> you can't get out of this one but uh, Crychek's like okay I have the tape it's in DC just cool it we can go to DC together I'll give you the tape and you'll let me go and he's like you give me the tape and I'll we can talk about me letting you go mm-hmm. Uh, and so he's like, okay, and and he has a bloody nose, so Mulder sends him to the bathroom to clean up. But this is where he gets jumped by the black oil, and it gets to him. Now we have a great scene where he's leaving, and he walks past Mulder, and Mulder follows him. He's like, you feel better? Or something like that. He says, feel like a new man. And as he comes closer to the camera, we see the oil in his eyes. Mm-hmm. Such a good ending. I love mm-hmm. that ending. And so next, we have Apocrypha. This is the other half of the two-parter. It had aired February 16th, 1996. It was written by Frank Spotnitz and Chris Carter, once again, and directed by Kim Manners. And this is actually Kim Manners' first myth arc directed, which I didn't realize. And I, I looked it over again. I'm like, wow, it really is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he said he was pretty intimidated because... You're you're kind of working with a continuity, like you can't, you, you kind of have to, you're working within something established, so you can't really do what you want to do all the time. You have to kind of match the style and tone. Mm-hmm. And yes, but, but he was excited for the challenge. And I think it did pretty good. I, good I like, yeah. I think these episodes, like nothing about the directing stands out necessarily, but they're very solid, I think. Right. It, they're very solid myth arc. Like they do have continuity with each other and with the rest of the season, which honestly I feel is kind of rare for myth arc. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, no, it, it, yeah. he did a good job. We're going to get to the point where they stop having continuity and they become very bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's good, but we're going to just enjoy in the time. The chaos. And we're enjoying now that they're good and well-written. And have Mm -hmm. continuity Mm -hmm. and make some sort of sense and are going to some end. (laughs) We learn more about the incident on Zeus Faber and the U.S. government's cover-up run by Bill Mulder and Cigarette Smoking Man. Uh, Scully watches over Skinner, who got shot in the last episode, as Mulder brings Crycheck back to D.C. to get the tape. Uh, Crycheck gets away and gets the tape. 
but leaves enough clues for Mulder to meet with the well-manicured man and find out more information from the syndicate. Scully finally runs down the man who killed her sister and has to confront him and the loss she feels. Everything slips through their hands once again, and all they have is suspicions and half-evidence and the usual. More questions than answers. (laughs) Yep, yep, we're really in it. So we open on a Navy hospital in Pearl Harbor in 1953. The men are dying from radiation from the Zeus vapor, very similar to the Frenchmen, obviously. Mm -hmm. The story is being told by one of the men who are locked in the room with the captain. And so we're getting the other half of the story after Johansson locked them in. And it's the last living soldier, and he's being recorded and interviewed by some men in suits. And he, he, there's no love lost between him and the Navy and the U.S. government. He says, like, they're, they're covering it up, and I'm not going to tell them what happened. They're mm-hmm. going to just have to figure it out themselves. Yeah. But then he doesn't realize he's talking to agents of the U.S. government. Uh, we, we learn at the end of the scene, I'll just briefly jump ahead, that he's talking, he says, can I trust you, Mr. Mulder? So we are like, dun, dun, dun. it's Bill Mulder. And then... They all look, they all look Who's at the next end. to him, but a man that lights up a cigarette. Yeah, they all turn to look at their ringleader, and it is someone who lights a cigarette, and then we have William Davis's voice dubbed over mm-hmm. it, which is very funny. It is very it's like, funny. why would he sound like that? It is, I know, like, I sound like such an older man, and, like, in that younger man's body. I know, this dub is actually really kind of funny, because it's like, did they need to do that? Like... You already made it very obvious that Cigarette Smoking Man, there's only one person who smokes cigarettes on the show, and it's him. Exactly. Any sinister man. But, like, when I was watching the commentary for this episode, Chris Carter was like, I was really worried they wouldn't realize this was Bill Mulder. And I'm like, you said Mr. Mulder. Mulder. I, I, I'm an adult. I can follow along. <laughs> and we already know that he worked with Cigarette Smoking Man. So yeah. So, like, of course, you, really, all you needed was him to pull out a cigarette. Like, that was really all we needed. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, like, this universe isn't, like, so huge that there are other people from 1953 covering up the U.S. Yeah. government's, like, com- like, complicity in aliens. Give your audience <laughs> a little bit more credit. I know yeah. that that's, like, the opposite of any producer in TV is, like, never give the audience any credit. But, like, mm-hmm. give your audience a little more credit, Chris Carter. Yeah, I, I, I say that, but then sometimes I'll see people ask questions. And I'm oh, like, yeah. how did you miss that? Mm-hmm. And so the soldier is talking to uh, Bill Mulder and the cigarette smoking man, and he says that uh, they they knocked the captain out and he died, and the oil poured out of his mouth. It is uh, his eyes and his mouth and his nose, and this is like we're finally seeing the oil and how it moves. And it was really interesting. I watched the uh, the bonus about the special effects. And Matt Beck, who is uh, in charge of the special effects for the X-Files, talked about... There was actually a clip in it when he was talking about it. Because at first, they tried to use, like, magnetic fluid. Mm. But then it just got, like, really clumpy. And he was Mm -hmm. like, it looked comedic. And it really did. (laughs) It seemed like something from, like, Star Trek. Yeah. (laughs) And so instead, what they did is they built a segment of the floor. And they mounted the lights and the camera onto it. And so when the oil came out, they tilted the floor oh, cool. to have it move. Yeah. 
And so, of course, the camera's attached, so we don't see, like, it move, like, tilting, but, like, we get the effect of it yeah. moving. I was like, that's so cool. Now they would just, like, CGI it, no problem. Right. And there is a little bit of digital effects. Right. Um, at some points of the, but but a lot of it is practical. Mm-hmm. And that's, like, that's, like, the perfect balance of the mix between, like, practical and digital. Effects, yeah. Because, like, when it's all digital, it just, like, doesn't look good. Yeah. But then, like, yeah, you just have, like, a little bit of practical effects, and it really goes a long way, I feel like. But I did, like, the the stinger to the end of the scene of Cigarette Talking Man lighting his cigarette, and he says, you can trust all of us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, danger, danger. No, you cannot. Least trustworthy man. Then you have the credits, and I was kind of bummed that we did not get a new tagline in either yeah. of these episodes. I, like paused and double checked because i was like surely these have a tagline no it's just the truth is out there which i guess works but <laughs> it works but it's not as fun. I some, it doesn't hit like apologies policy or something yeah. you know that's an all-timer and scully rushes to northeast georgetown medical which is where skinner was taken the hospital and she gets the deets about the incident from some fbi agents that i guess are looking into it and she sees skinner wheeled being wheeled out of surgery um, into, like, a recovery room. And they did record this in, in like, an actual, like, working hospital. Mm-hmm. And they were like, okay, like, if we get, like, an actual gunshot wound, we're going we're gonna to have to, like, kick y'all out. Yeah. And 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 um, Kim Manners was like, luckily that didn't happen. And then Chris Carter was like, yeah, there's not really a lot of gun violence in Vancouver. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Good point. <laughs> <laughs> not yeah. like actual dc or just the united states in general yeah <laughs> <laughs> but she goes to check on him and she holds his hand and it's it's kind of nice to see them like very friendly like mm-hmm. they're really friendly and then like Mulder and uh skinner interact and he's like lose my number do not call me do not text me <laughs> yep no it's really funny like there's such a mutual respect between scully and skinner because they have um, to put up with the Mulder. yeah it's like <laughs> they both put up with Mulder in different ways, and there's just kind of a mutual respect there between them. And I think also just, like, they do, like, genuinely respect each other's work, too, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. He thinks she's a good agent. She is um, a good agent. She is a good agent. Mulder, I feel like he's still on the fence with. I yeah. think he respects his drive, but it mostly irritates he him. He feels, I think, mostly protective over him for some reason, yeah. but even he himself can't, can't quite explain it, you know? Yeah. Oh, but, um... Crucially, Skinner tells Scully that he has seen the shooter before, but he's kind of out of it and he's going, so she can't really get any more information mm-hmm. from, about it. And then we have uh, Mulder and Crycheck at a Lariat rental car, which I think for the longest time I thought it was a real car rental place. It's not. It's one of those fake ones for TV. Oh, nice. <laughs> but uh but it i think what confused me is there's a boot company called ariat mm-hmm. and i think i don't know just a real company and a fake company kind of just merged in my mind even though they don't even do the same thing right boots versus car rental <laughs> but i don't know like lariat you know like kind of like lassoing people into horrible rental agreements yeah track yeah yeah but they're very loyal they use them a lot they're all in the show <laughs> <laughs> and then they got lassoed into like a contract and yeah but but um, it also makes uh, appearances in Breaking Bad not a surprise because of the mm-hmm. Vince Gilligan connection. And also a lot of other people in the X-Files work on it, too. Mm-hmm. Um, Supernatural, also not a surprise because I think there is a decent amount of overlap between them and the X-Files as well. I, I think uh, Kim Manners directed 
for Supernatural yeah. a lot. Yeah, he did. And then Veronica Mars, which I don't know off the top of my head any connection between the two. Wait, it's in Veronica Mars? Yeah, it's like in an episode, I think. Yeah, like just one, probably? I think so. Yeah, because it's not, it's definitely not something that's featured enough where I, w- I would pick it out. Yeah, they're like teens, they can't rent cars. <laughs> right, exactly. And like, I don't know whenever like the law changed to where like you had to be 25 to rent a car, but mm-hmm. like, you know, yeah, definitely not. You can't. Veronica can't just like rent a car with some of her fake IDs. Like she does not look twenty five. Even though like Kristen Bell was like twenty five. Yeah, but anyway. I, I do think I do think Veronica Mars could con her way into. Oh, your absolutely. If she really needed she to, she was really great at playing the "I'm a cute young blonde woman" yes. and people just kind of giving her what she wants, or like her blackmailing like the attendant. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, iconic queen. Yeah, stand her. We do love Veronica Mars. We love a messy bitch. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> we love a trauma bitch. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mulder and Ratboy are back in the U.S. once again, going to get the tape, which he says is in D.C. And then we have a very quick scene where Scully is talking to the other agents, and she's like, I want guards outside Skinner's room. Like, he just got shot. Like, this wasn't random. And so she's like yelling. She's like, no, like, if you can't find guards, y'all stay out here and sit here. Like, I don't care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, that's so hot. Assert your power. She's like, I got to protect him. He's my boss. Yeah. <laughs> He's my friend, boss. But then Mulder and Ratboy are driving and they get ambushed. And I of think course. the directing is really fun. Like, because it's because so, uh, Kim said, you know, I wanted to light it. So you can see the car, but you also can't see the car. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and Chris was like, that's a lot of the ice falls. You see yeah. something, but don't see it, you know. But but it does really like it is lo- poorly lit. But then like once you the camera's on the spot where the car is, you can see the car eventually, you know. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's really cool. But they get driven off the road and the attacker pull Crycheck out. And the other goes to attack Mulder. But then we see the big light again. And the guy's like, what the hell? And then the light happens again. So. The black oil them. very quickly dispenses of these would-be attackers. Mm-hmm. It was very kind of them to save Mulder's life, honestly. <laughs> the aliens know what we want. Yeah. Mulder. <laughs> Scully goes to get info from Pendrel. He's very much the guy that she <laughs> gives the work to, and he comes back and he's like, here's your evidence, you know? Mm-hmm. It's very cute. Yeah. He's so cute. He's so cute. And... um. He he gives her, I think it was like a hair sample from the evidence they gathered up for Skinner. And they also found like saliva and stuff. <laughs> so they have the hair, but they have to connect it to another one. So it's kind of, it would take a very long time to sort through all of the mm-hmm. offenders. Mm-hmm. And so it is sort of like, this is useful once we get him and we can connect him. But in the meantime, we can't really catch him from this, you know? Yeah. earlier DNA science and, like, the DNA database that exists now is definitely, like, not there, you know? Yeah, yeah, totally. And the men Krychek killed are being tended to by the military, and I think for the first the first time I saw it, I thought this was supposed to be, like, a flashback uh, because, like, the guy just looked like he was wearing, like, he, he was probably just wearing, like, the khakis that, like, the Navy wears now or, mm-hmm. or in the 90s. But it, it also looked identical to, like, the ones from, like, the mm-hmm. 50s throwback. 
<laughs> and then like there was also this like really weird equipment that looked old but i think it was just because it was the 90s and not because it was from the 50s right i think everything else just looks so much streamlined more now <laughs> that it was like really weird to me now but then i realized and then we got like an adult cigarette smoking man i'm like okay this is the present and then i connected the fact that like this is the guy that people uh crycheck killed or the black oil and crycheck dude and cigarette smoking man's like let him die i don't care <laughs> He's like, uh, we could treat them, you know, we could call in an expert. And he's like, they're going to die anyway, aren't they? Yeah. And the guy's like, uh, I guess. So, yeah. But then Mulder is also in the hospital room because he did, he was just in a car crash. Mm-hmm. And he wakes up and Scully's just sitting there and she looks so radiant. Mm-hmm. I, I can't even imagine waking up, but just seeing like that beautiful angel by my side, you know. It would be so comforting. It would. I would I'd just be like immediately soothed. And Mulder seems to be, and he's like, oop, oop, did I get myself hurt again? <laughs> what happened? Whoop. <laughs> she's like, well, I was already here. <laughs> yeah, she's like, glad you decided to join us. My boys are in the hospital. I had to be here 24-7 <laughs> taking care of Skinner and Mulder. And then, but he tells her what he remembers, which isn't much, but mm-hmm. and then she tells him Skinner's been so- shot. And she says that the man who shot Skinner is her sister's killer. Mm-hmm. Because she has the connection. She That was her hunch. She played a hunch. And she got the inf- evidence from her sister's murder and the one Pendrel gave her, and they were a match. And we have a brief meeting with, uh, or a brief scene in the syndicate. They realize they have a leak. And they're like, we're cigarette smoking man. They're like, I don't know what he is doing. Yeah. <laughs> they really hate him. He's like the wild card of the group. They he really all is. Fucking hate He's him. the Mulder of the syndicate. He is, though. Yes. And Scully goes to meet Skinner. Um, t- you know, taking care of both of, both of her boys in the hospital. And she tells him it's Melissa's killer, and he isn't surprised. He's like, I recognized him. He he was the one that jumped me mm-hmm. with Crycheck and stole the tape back in a. I guess that was paperclip. Mm-hmm. And 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 Scully's getting really worked up, and Skinner is just trying to talk to her, and and like. It's it's interesting because I think, I think it's just like, either they just like don't show us these scenes or just like they don't think that Mulder and Scully have these kind of moments, right? Which I think is fair. I think Mulder is very in his his self sometimes. He's a little self absorbed. Oh, absolutely. And so we have Skinner be the person that like says to Scully, like, you you really need to take it easy. I don't want you to get lost in trying to find your sister's killer and, like, lose yourself. And he's trying to give her some advice, and she's not super interested in hearing it, honestly. Yeah, which is fair. But I think it is good, like, trying to not get lost in your anger. Yeah. And he says, like, it's okay to step away. And she says, that's what they want. <laughs> and yeah. it's like, yeah, she's right. Like, yeah. I'm not worried for Scully because she's Scully, right? You know? Mm-hmm. And so maybe that's Mulder's logic too. Like I don't, I don't know if it's just like we're supposed to think that they had this conversation, we just didn't see it, or if they genuinely want us to think that like Mulder wouldn't think of it. And I think both are very plausible, honestly. I could see both. Honestly, I think Mulder wouldn't even think of it. Yeah, because he's always he's always doing this. He's always obsessed in his anger. <laughs> he's right? always losing himself in his anger. He's not the right. person who's going to tell her not to lose herself in her anger. Right. He's yeah. going to say, yes, you should absolutely do this. Yeah, he's, he's going to go for own. it. <laughs> but yeah, like Skinner is very worried. 
And I thought it was a very nice scene as much as it like, I think as the audience member, I was like, of course Scully wouldn't do this. It's not her type. But I think, I think it still works as a scene as much as I was like, yeah, I don't, I'm not really worried about this, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we get a fun scene of Scully typing and doing a, a voiceover. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she asked the bureau if she can go rat hunting. She's like, I want to dedicate all our resources to find Alex Crutch. <laughs> I know. Like, we need to set some rat traps. Exactly. Good for her. Yeah. And Mulder had the diving suit sent to the office. So there's this giant mounted diving suit in the office, and he is just very proudly standing next to it. <laughs> and she walks in, and she's like, what dumb shit did you spend your money on again? It's like if you've ever had a partner who just, like, kind of, like, collects random shit before, and you, like come home and you never know what dumb thing they just blew a bunch of money on and yeah. it's just like that's that's Mulder and I mean he didn't spend money on it he had it sent but that's Mulder in the diving suit she's yes. like what the fuck is this doing here he even makes a joke he says it looked great at me at the store <laughs> it looked great <laughs> on me at the store and also uh, Kim said I it was so big I didn't know where to put the camera so that's why it's kind of up Yeah, but this is where Mulder reveals his first of all I don't know how he jumped to this but he says that he thinks the oil is a medium for alien life. How? Why? So Don't many know. questions. How did you come to this conclusion, first of all? Because that is a massive leak. Your only connection is that, like, the goatee was covered in oil, the, sh- the thing was covered in oil, and something about the plane. <laughs> it's like they kind of forgot that they had to mention this really key plot point for the main characters to know because we know it's one of the, it's like a reverse not necessarily reverse dramatic tension i guess it is dramatic tension but it's dramatic tension and then then they were like wait we have to get our main <laughs> characters to come to this conclusion somehow how do we do that exactly it's like Oops. we understand because it's we've seen right. the i think but Mulder hasn't yeah he's only seen like the light yeah and like bits of it and he definitely has a decent amount of pieces. Right. But I do feel like he is missing the one thing of like seeing it in another person. It definitely. Yeah, exactly. And it definitely comes off as like he's almost he's ready to almost make any sort of harebrained excuse to connect it to yes. like aliens and to that like UFO instead of it being a Russian sub. Right. Which. Yeah. It's just like it's just like, wait, what the fuck? Yeah. And knowing that he's right. And I, I will say in the Monsters of the Week, um, Emily Vanderwerf makes the interesting point where she says, like, the introduction of black oil kind of is the end of Scully having a good skeptical angle, you know? Because mm-hmm. this isn't explainable, <laughs> really. Right. Yeah. Like, it, 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 it defies logic of, of, like, what we understand as possible in our realm, and yeah, but but it is such a it's such a stunning visual for the mythology. I'll, I will give it a free pass to the fact that it does eliminate all of the fun of having two explanations. Yeah, I also say uh, that when I was watching, I was watching the the commentary. There was this incredibly funny line that Chris Carter said that was like very inadvertent on his part. Hmm. He says, I really believe that there will never, ever be another show like the X-Files on TV in terms of production value and ambition because it's going to be too expensive. And he said this in like 2000. Mm -hmm. And it's, I can't imagine being that wrong. (laughs) 
Right. <laughs> like, I, I, I sort of understand. I, I think it would have been weirder if he did predict, like, the massive growth of television right. across, like, brand new medium or, like, yeah. brand new ventures like Netflix and stuff. Uh-huh. But but it is so funny that he said that in 2000, when, like, the show that is very, very commonly referred to as, like, kicking off the golden age of television. Yeah, like, premiere TV. Is The Sopranos, which aired in 1999. Like, he was was right on the cusp of it, and he just got it so wrong. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty funny. It was really funny, but it does. I will say that I do, I do think it validates my idea that the X Files is very much a precursor and laid a lot of the groundwork for prestige TV to a degree. Yeah, but or or even just like pushing the bounds of like what TV could be, right? Because it is very cin- cinematic, and and he is right in that part of it. it's very ambitious. There's just no way he could have known how much those fucking dragons in Game of Thrones exactly. Would <laughs> He really was so incredibly wrong because he's yep. like, who would have that much money and ambition? It's like HBO, HBO. HBO. <laughs> <laughs> you literally quite missed the <laughs> literally HBO. Yeah, like maybe for a network. Okay, I can see that. Yeah, Because right? yeah, totally. even now, like network constraints, like the shows that like network TV is putting out right now is very different than like you know what's on streaming or what's you know on mm-hmm. like Showtime or HBO. But yeah, it's like HBO. Yeah, but we have um. The lone gun, the lone gunman skating. I love the Ice scene. Skating. They're yeah, such so good cute. spies. Yes, and it's so, so funny because they wrote this and they assumed they're all native Canadians. They'll just know how to skate, and they didn't. Right. <laughs> and um, Byers is looks pretty steady because apparently mm-hmm. he was the one with the most experience skating. Rohickey, um, hadn't skated since he was a kid. I don't remember any other names. I'm sorry to the actors. Yeah, they're very talented. But they always, when they list you in the credits, they're always together. So I only remember Tom Braidwood because he's also the AD. So that's Rohickey. Yeah. And then the other two, I can't remember. Dean, one of them's Dean Hagland. And mm-hmm. then the other one, I can't remember the name. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry to the lone gun. <laughs> we love you, though. We love you. And and so uh, <laughs> Langley had to like learn how to skate like five days. And you can tell. <laughs> like skating is hard. It, it's hard. My birthday's in December. So... I very frequently was like, oh, let's go ice skating for your birthday. And it's very hard. And it is kind of fun, but it's mostly hard. Yeah. But but also, um, Frohiki was supposed to ogle some women while he's skating. But they were like, it's too much to ask him to, like, skate and... <laughs> and ogle. And ogle. So he just ogles once he gets to the locker. Because it's like, you know, the, the pervert, the pervert one of them... <laughs> But it's like I understand the that like the optics of like him ogling women is like supposed to make us feel uncomfortable, I think. But it's just like no, it's just frankly. He seems like really harmless in it though. He really like, does. It would be different than like another character, I think, kind of like ogling women. Yeah. I don't know. But he goes to the locker and he gets the envelope. And they all, you know, head off after they've done their their, their trade craft. And they get, and they're like so excited. <laughs> they're like, Mother, you should call us more often. We're I very know. good. <laughs> it's so cute. It really is. And, but the tape is gone. And so they just have the envelope and they're kind of just, you know, upset. And where did the tape go? Well, since you asked, the next scene is going to have Cigarette Smoking Man receiving the tape from Crycheck, mm-hmm. but mostly I think the black oil. Mm-hmm. Like this conversation that they have very much feels like, 
cigarette smoking man is talking to the alien within Crycheck, oh, and that he knows it, and he's like, "I was waiting for you to show up." Yeah. <laughs> and so he, you know, Crycheck or plops the tape down, and he's like, "Let's make a deal." <laughs> and yeah, this is where cigarette smoking man tells him where the uh, silo is because the alien is looking for his ship to return. Mm-hmm. So. Cigarette smoking man's like, I got the tape. I'm fine. Just go yep. home. I don't care. It's right here. And so now that he has the tape, Cigarette smoking man finally shuts up to the syndicate meeting. And he's like, it's taken care of. I found the leak. I'm not going to go into details, but I have found it. And it has stopped. <laughs> <laughs> also in the commentary, they said William Davis did, never wanted to light his own cigarettes which is weird because he does light them a lot like in the show mm-hmm. like there's scenes of him but he he always had someone else light this cigarette huh. like unless i guess unless they're filming him lighting right. his own cigarette any other times he would have someone else light it and eventually later in the show they made a, ba- a battery powered machine to light the cigarette <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> it's so good manners in the commentary, which is like you just hear this. <laughs> it's like they're lighting the cigarette. <laughs> but yeah, they're like, we want answers. Like, okay, you tell us this, but we want answers. Like, what the hell happened? And what? Why did you try to kill um, Skinner? Like, <laughs> what's going on? Like, you're a mess. And he's like, it's fine. I'm taking care of it. This is my side of the business. It's fine. And. And mostly the person with the most opposition to him is the well-manicured man. Mm-hmm. The the British man. And he confronts him about, like, the Skinner stuff. And, he, like, Skinner, cigarette smoking man kind of blows him off. But I, lo- <laughs> I love the scene of, like, after he says something and the well-manicured man just, like, sighs and goes, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> he's just like fed up he's like no enough enough it's literally over it and so he says like okay like they're going to the fbi is going to find your killer so you need to get rid of him quick he's and the cigarette smokes man's like i know what i'm doing he doesn't oh absolutely listener not. he doesn't so after they get the envelope they head back to the lone gunman lair and they're all talking about all this great technology because they, they realize something's written on the envelope and they're like, oh, yeah, you can use this micron, you know, like all this sort of like wild stuff about how to get the imprint off. <laughs> and the whole time they're talking, Mulder just puts a piece of paper over it <laughs> and uses a pencil to get the imprint. To get the impression of the of the phone number. Yeah. And he does. Uh, Mulder has that scene where he has a pencil. And he holds it in front of Shrek and he says, like, I don't drop that. That's a finely calibrated piece of investigative equipment. <laughs> piece of equipment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so Mulder calls the phone number and it's the syndicate's number. And who does he talk to? But Well Manicured Man. And Well Manicured Man's like, Mulder, I actually have a lot of questions for you too. Why don't we meet and share intel? And Mulder's like, okay, sounds good. <laughs> this is a trap, Mulder. Mm hmm. There will be no exchanging of info. It'll just be you giving info. Actually, I think Mulder does learn some stuff. But we also have the agents and Scully and Pendrel learning more about the killer, who we learn is Luis Cardinal. And <laughs> they have the we now have a, a name to the face because they did a sketch artist of the the killer. And Scully goes, beautiful. And just like the most deadpan <laughs> over it voice. But we find out he's a mercenary. He's a School of the Americas alum. 
in yeah he, he i think he's also from nicaragua so yeah he's a contra <laughs> shout out to the cia <laughs> <laughs> they're using a lot of words to say that he was a contra <laughs> yep. and they they're a real nasty bunch that of course oh, the u.s yeah. government trade uh, tr- uh of course u.s government trained mm-hmm. uh, i didn't finish the book I, i'm still working on it but i i was reading um why am i blanking on the name of it that book about the the contra and the uh the CIA running cocaine to the U.S. Anyway, that book, and yeah, the Contra—they're really—they're really something. Uh, so a real, real sicko hours here. You know what's actually interesting is uh, I think the book was came out in '98 or something. So at this point, they wouldn't have even known about the fact that the Contras were selling cocaine to fund right. their war against mm-hmm. the Sandinistas. And then the U.S. government let them use their own planes. <laughs> They're like, oh, you need to run cocaine to, like, South Central L.A.? Here, just use this plane. Right. And they say, oh, well, you know, with his connections and his, you know, past, he's probably fled the country already, which he hasn't. Very stupid move on his part. Mm-hmm. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> and, and Scully's like, well, just find him. And they're like, we've run out of avenues. And she's like... How, how do we find him? She's like, I've seen Stranger Things, believe me. And she just like leaves. And Pendril's just sitting there with his hands on his chin. And he's just like, I believe she has. Yeah, it's so <laughs> cute. He's just like, I believe she has. Like, yeah. I believe her. They're kind of like telling her like, this is as far as we can go. And mm-hmm. she's like, mm, nope, fuck you. And he's like, you know what? <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> yes, def- defend her, Pendril. Yes. And so then Mulder meets with well manicured man at Central Park, and uh, <laughs> Kim also said they had to like use very specific camera angles because they were like, right in front of the Vancouver skyline. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty it's funny. Like, Ness never stopped out before, honestly. Yeah, <laughs> he says, "I know where Crycheck is. I can give you Crycheck." And and Mulder's like, "Well, why don't you give me some information? What was that? That coordinates?" And he's like, "A UFO. It's a Foo Fighter." That's that's nothing. That's normal information. <laughs> yeah, he's like so unfazed by the confirmation that it's a UFO. He's like, it was a UFO. Yeah, the guy and was Mulder's just like, I'll like, just tell you. <laughs> what? Yeah. He's so excited that he was right. But it's also like, he's like, yeah, I mean, it was it was just a UFO. Like, mm-hmm. But but this is where Mulder inadvertently lets, well, manicured man know who was doing the leaking. Because mm-hmm. he says, like, the tape. And he's like, the tape. And he's like, the tape Krychek has and has been selling the secrets. And he's like, oh, this this answers the question I've had. It's like, where is this leak going from? And mm-hmm. he's like, so, so self-satisfied to learn that it is cigarette smoking man's fault. Oh, absolutely. Because he hates his that enemy, man. His enemy. His yeah. enemy. He loves, like me, we love to see our enemies suffer. Oh, absolutely. And, yeah, I very much relate to that. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, so it was that bitch? It was that bitch. Mm-hmm. And then he also gives he gives uh, Mulder something where he says, you know, very sinisterly, very freaky smile on his face. He says, anyone can get gotten to. You know this. And and Mulder kind of puts together that like, Skinner isn't safe. And so he calls Skull and he's like, oh, shoot. Can you um go check on our boxes? <laughs> can you uh, go do that? Because I'm in New York. And... And Scully rushes to check on Skinner, and they're transferring him, which is kind of odd. Mm-hmm. But the ambulance just left, so Scully manages to catch up to the ambulance. And she's in the back with Skinner, and she's just like, 
just want to make sure you get where you're going. <laughs> He's like, okay, that's very nice. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, at the light, she feels the ambulance move. And so there's somebody on top of it or, you know, trying to get onto it or something. Mm-hmm. So she pulls out her gun and gets ready. And who is it? But Luis Cardinal trying to finish his job that he messed up the first time. And so she's chasing him and he... Luckily, gets hit by a car and really slows him down so she yeah. could catch up. I know. She, like, it's one of those things where just, like, Jillian looks so tiny compared to this, like, tall man. Yeah. So she's, like, chasing him down and he gets, like, hit by a car and not, like, super severely or whatever. And it slows He's him like down limpy, and she's actually yeah. able to catch up. Yeah. And she catches up and she points her gun at him and she's yelling because she knows who this is. Mm-hmm. And and she she wants him to say it. She says, are you Louise Cardinal? Did you kill my sister? Are you the man who killed my sister? Answer me. And he's just like, don't kill me, please. It was Crycheck, actually. <laughs> I can get you to Crycheck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> don't you want Crycheck? You don't want to kill me. You want to kill that rat boy, don't you? Yeah. It's like she me. can multitask. Yeah, she can get both of you. <laughs> but it does feel really telling that she doesn't kill him. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like I don't, I don't know if I ever thought that Scully would. I don't think that's her mo. That's not her idea of justice, right? But it is interesting because I feel like she should know that if she doesn't kill him, someone else will. You know? Yeah. But but yeah, I also don't think that would help her in her. Right. It wouldn't bring her sister back, obviously. Yeah. And I don't think it would do anything to help her. And so he just gets arrested. Yeah, I think she mostly wants the confession. Yeah, yeah. Which he doesn't even give her that. No. Yeah, so much of these people's lives are, you know, deflecting and, mm-hmm. and selling other people down the river. Uh, and Scully calls Mulder, and he's in New York. <laughs> and he's, like, at the airport looking for his mental car agreement. <laughs> Man, I've never related to him so hard, I don't think. <laughs> 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 but he's just, like, looking around his car. Like, Where the hell did I put that? And Scully says that they caught him and that Louise said that Crycheck is going to North Dakota. And so Mulder's like, that's where we're going, actually. It's like, you can't give her five minutes. To rest. Five to minutes process. to rest. And just think about how the fact that she just found the person who killed her sister. No, he, he, he doesn't think like that. He's so focused on that fucking UFO. He, he, is, he is laser focused. He's like, we need to find this UFO. I don't really care about anything else at this moment. And so we go, to, we go to North Dakota, you know, there's a bunker, a missile silo, yada, yada. <laughs> it's like kind of cool. It's not, I feel like it's not the coolest location that they've shot at. Right. I mean, it's just a couple of hallways for us, really, you know? Yeah. They, and they had to like, a lot of this is like digital effects. It was like half built and then they just kind of expanded it because they couldn't build the whole silo. Right. So they built part of the silo and then just had them fix it in post. And they go in the bunker. And someone else shows up, and so they're kind of, you know, they know Mul- they know Krychek's here because they see the radiation burns on one of the soldiers, but they're also being chased around by the soldiers before they get cornered. And they're right in front of the door, ten thirteen. So of course we know that's the door, right? It's red. <laughs> it's literally a giant red door and has ten thirteen on it. Like, yep, that's it. it. Could not make it more obvious. <laughs> I wonder if mothers ever like, why is there so many mentions of my birthday in this universe? <laughs> I don't know if he, if he even pauses to think about that. Yeah, but also the idea that, like, the government is deploying, like, SEAL Team 6 to, like, capture Walter Scully is so funny to me. Like, oh, oh you need to ask, soldier, you need to ascertain location of these two hot FBI agents. <laughs> 
I feel like the people who work for Cigarette Smoking Man are like so tired at this point. They're like, why don't you just kill these people? <laughs> why do we still have to chase after Mulder? Like, why don't we just take him out? Yeah. And, and, and Cigarette Smoking Man's like, it's in my plan. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> but Cigarette Smoking Man, of course, is here. And him and Mulder get into a yelling argument. <laughs> As like they're being forced into vans. <laughs> Yeah, it's actually pretty funny. <laughs> He's like, why are you here then? And he's like, I just am places. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. But then Cigarette Smoking Man goes and stands in front of the red, the ominous red 1013 door smoking. Like he knows exactly what he's doing because he does. And he leaves. And then we have this nice, you know, camera angle, like following the this alien ship. And then we see it. It's like this big triangle. And... Crycheck's on top of it, and he is just retching, retching out of every orifice on his face. If you're like easily triggered by like retching noises, Ugh. like maybe maybe mute mute the scene. <laughs> yeah, and and it's Nicholas Lee who's doing the stunt himself, and he's wearing a mask, and it took like an hour to put on, and he he said it was awful, you know, just having this liquid come out of like his eyes and his nose and his mouth and stuff. And then they call him back a couple days later because it wasn't lit properly, and so he has to do it again. It was too fucking dark. And it's, yeah, it's like, what's new about this show, honestly? <laughs> and it, it, I can't even imagine, like, doing all that and being like, at least I finished. And they're like, can you come back and do it again? I wonder if some of the Game of Thrones scenes are so dark because they couldn't afford reshoots. <laughs> Maybe. Because, like... Or, or D&D were like, it's fine. Yeah. It's, it's style. Yeah, it's fine. We're just, everything's just going to be hard to see. We're going to spend literally more money than anyone has ever spent on a single battle scene, and you're not going to be able to see any of it. <laughs> and so he, he is, like, retching the black oil onto the ship, and the, the black oil is going into the ship. It's going home. It's returning. And then we have Mulder lounging in the basement office, and Skinner walks in, and he's still, you know, healing, so he's a little cane. And, and Mulder's, like, very nicely. He's like, here, just sit down. It's fine. And um, uh, Kim Manners also mentions he shot this scene and Chris saw it and he said, they're a little too buddy. Like, they're not friends. They're they're colleagues. <laughs> and, uh, and he said he reshot this. And I think it is because, like, Mulder is trying to talk to Skinner. He's like, you really helped Scully. Like, you really put your li life on the line for Scully and, like, her sister's investigation. He's just like... I don't know what you're talking about. I was simply doing my That's job. That's my job, yeah. Yeah. He, he was like, no, I wasn't doing that. I was doing my job, and in that course, I got shot. Like, it wasn't, yeah. like, that I was doing anything for y'all special. And I really do like this scene, because it really does, like, give us a sense of, like, you know, Skinner says, like, it's not my crusade. And, like, I do think he genuinely believes that, but he does stick his head out a lot for them. Mm -hmm. Like, beyond the just doing your job. Yeah. And, but it is nice that, like, Skinner still insists on having this defense of, like, no, I wasn't mm -hmm. doing anything special. Yeah. And then we have uh, Scully. And I guess Skinner told Mulder about Louise Cowden now. And then Mulder has the uh, the duty to tell Scully about it, which kind of sucks. Yeah. It's, that's tough news to deliver. They Jeffrey Epstein him. They really did. And... Scully's at Melissa's grave and she's laying flowers. And Mulder pulls up and he also brought flowers to lay at her grave, which is very sweet. Respectful. It is very respectful. 
after she's went through all this, he's like, okay, now I can be emotionally available to you. Right. It's like... (laughs) I get that. I'm not the person you go to for comfort either. (laughs) You're there when you're there, though. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Sure. And yeah, so they're at her grave and then I I do like the the beat of like Mulder pulling her away from her grave to give the bad news. Mm-hmm. It like like in his mind it would be too disrespectful to like tell her that like the person who killed her sister was like uh killed in jail and they made it look like a suicide. They Epstein yeah. him like he said. Literally, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And um yeah, and and he has to tell her that and she's like I don't know what justice like. Right. I don't know what justice looks like. I don't know. I thought I would get some peace when I found him, and I don't. I don't have any peace. I don't feel yeah. like I've gained anything from this. It's a really hard scene for her, and I, Jillian Anderson is just so good. Like, it's really hard to like overstate how good she is in mm-hmm. this show, but like, especially in moments like this, like, <sighs> she's so talented. Mm-hmm. And she she meant she brings back the um the the dead. We bear our dead alive line. She really took it to heart. <laughs> and she yeah. says, like, are they really talking to us? Are are they shouting and we're not doing anything? We can't give them any justice or anything. Right. And and Mulder just kind of lets her, you know, say her piece. Right. Because you don't, there's not, like, what do you say to that, right? Yeah. To someone who feels that way. I'm like, sure you he don't, agrees. You just, yeah, you just kind of, like, let them feel it, you know? And mm-hmm. that's, like, this is, like. I think, yeah, he doesn't want to tell her directly in front, so he pulls her to the side a little bit, but it's just also, like, you know, kind of ripping off the Band-Aid. Like, he has to tell her. Yeah. And, like, of course she's going to feel that way. Yeah. You know? And the episode ends with Crycheck locked in that bunker, banging on the door, because his surf- his purpose had been served. And so he's like, okay, I am back to being Alex Crycheck. I'm back to the rat boy you know and love. Let me out. Let me out. I want to do rat things. <laughs> and he's just stuck there in an abandoned missile silo. <laughs> what will happen to him? We will have to find out eventually, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Yeah. And that was the episode. So we'll do our segments. And we'll start with... Agent Mulder. Shut up, Mulder. Damn it, Mulder! Mulder! Our Mulder rating. How annoying was Mulder this episode? I gave him a five. He's like pretty annoying, but I feel like he's been more annoying in mythology, you know? Yeah. He's not jumping on trains. That's right. always a good step. He's just doing other things like flying to Hong Kong. <laughs> yeah. What's yours? Yeah, I give him a seven because like, again, he's like a little annoying. I feel like he's more annoying in Piper Maru than he is in Apocrypha. Like in Apocrypha, he's like really not that annoying. And I do mm-hmm. like that he kind of does have this like tender moment finally with Scully at the end. Um, but yeah, and Piper Maru, I, I do think he's a little bit annoying, just kind of like, all right, you do your thing, bye, and then like runs off <laughs> yes. and then fucking goes to Hong Kong. Yes. And then, yeah, just everything in Hong Kong's just a hot mess. L- losing crowd check, yeah. you know. And then just like, also just like, I so I looked up the like flight time from Hong Kong to DC, and it does have stops, right? Because like, like that can't be contiguous, but it's like 20 hours. <laughs> So then God. just like what the hell spend did... 20 hours on planes with Crycheck. Anyway. Yeah, what did they even talk about? <laughs> I have no clue. Like, God. <laughs> Sounds awful. But yeah, he wasn't he wasn't as insufferable as he, he is sometimes. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And next we have So uh this must be the enigmatic agent Scully. A Scully's sassiest moment. 
we were kind of talking about this earlier. She didn't really have a lot of sassy moments in these episodes. She was mostly grieving, yeah. Yeah, she was having a hard time. Um, I think definitely dragging him at the beginning when it's just like if they told you that there was something out in the desert, you would go out there with a shovel. I well, love that. Maybe a backhoe because it's just like, you know, he, he would. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. She is right. So probably that. Yes, I, I agree. I love that scene a lot. But I did mm-hmm. think there's something really powerful about when she says, if I may say so, sir, it has everything to do with interest, but not just but just not yours and not mine. Yeah. But yeah. my backup is um my honorable mention is uh w- the well manicured man saying, Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> and that wasn't Scully, but it was a very sassy moment. It, yeah, it was it was it was You could even memorable. consider that well manicured man is the Scully of the syndicate. Yeah. Yeah. I see it. Welcome. You've got mail. And then our 90s moment of the episode, I this I feel like there were a lot of really good 90s moments, mm-hmm. and we did mention a lot of them, but I want to give a special shout out to the payphone bank, yeah. the bank of payphones that Mulder jumps cry check in front of. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like just like the way airports are treated in this episode in general, mm-hmm. like is a good 90s moment. What is yours? Mine is like a really random comment early on about um how you would get more radiation from your cell phone. <laughs> Because it's just like... The Navy guy, yeah, when yeah. they're like, can we get on? And he's like, you'll get more radiation from yourself. Cell phone than getting on this boat that, like, they, you know, all these people had intense radiation poisoning from. It just is very much like... Because, like, cell phones are ubiquitous, but not as ubiquitous as now. And it's like, I don't know, there was always... There's always been rumors about cell phones giving it, people like, brain cancer. Yes, it, yes. Which are just not true. It was just... It was, it was really funny. Yeah, I definitely remember the weirdness about cell phones. Yeah. Like, I think you get more radiation from a microwave than a cell phone. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I, I feel like with the mythology, it's always obvious why we pick it because it's a mythology and there's like a story being told. Mm-hmm. But also, like, these are really good episodes. And yeah. I still think I like Nisei and 731 more, but these are definitely contenders, I think, for one of my favorite episodes of the mythology. It's like the emotional core like whereas Nisei and 731 were action packed Mm -hmm. this is the emotional stakes of what's happening and so I I do like I do like that kind of yin and yang that we have going Mm -hmm. on for that so I I do like that yeah yeah. I agree these episodes are definitely more emotional definitely focus more on the like actual human toll Mm. than just like here are the facts and also like it's it's just it's really fun I've, I've been having a blast watching season three because it's my favorite season Mm -hmm. but also like everything just feels like it clicks Mm -hmm. and i think these episodes are great because we have continuity with the mythology we have continuity and it's it clicks and it really works and it's really telling a story that's interesting i would say i agree i agree and i think it's just it it just makes me really excited it's it's you know watching the golden age of your favorite tv show it's i mean it's that you know (laughs) Things are only going to get... I mean, we haven't reached the peak yet, but, like, once we reach the peak, things will only go downhill from here, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I'm just really just enjoying rewatching some of the best the show has to offer. Yeah. And so that is our episode for this week. We hope everyone enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, we had fun. We, we recorded it together again. Yeah. So that, that seemed to go pretty smoothly last time, but, yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Question mark, question mark, question mark. Oh. If you would like to follow us on Twitter, we're condensed truth at twitter.com. 
if you'd like to email us any comments questions concerns uh we are getting closer to the end of season three i think we have like five-ish more episodes i want to say and so we'll have a mailbag at the end of that hopefully uh if i can bully some of my friends into doing questions (laughs) but yeah if you have any questions like no feel free to send them like absolutely we're, we're down to answer questions you know yeah someone besides my wife to send us some questions <laughs> yes exactly exactly or or me making them up yes it's, it's just me and Raina so far <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah and um uh rate and review if you can i think it's just apple that does that but you know and we did we did i think we hit 30 followers on our twitter account that's oh, kind of hey, cool that's nice jim rose followed us from oh, yeah. jim rose circus <laughs> Shout out to Jim Rose. Thank you for following us. Yeah. And next time, we'll be talking season three, episode 17, Pusher. I'm hugely excited. I love this episode. Yep. We're, we're getting we're getting into the procedural meat. Yep. And we're getting an, an all-star guest star. Oh, yeah. Our friend, Not all-star yet, but... Our friend Kat's coming on. Yeah. And Pusher is the first episode Vince Gilligan wrote that we're covering. Mm-hmm. And so it was also, yeah, like we're entering the Vince Gilligan era. Yeah. Everyone get hyped. I'm going to do, I'm going to post my meme. Yeah. And nobody got me. I know a, a X-Files episode written by Vince <laughs> Gilligan got me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, well, we're really excited to have our, uh, another guest on mm-hmm. and she's seen some of the X-Files. So we'll, we'll get her thoughts on it. And yeah, everyone have a nice week and thanks for tuning in. Bye.